between John and I, we've probably done at least 250,000 locations ourselves where we've gone in and tracked where these hydrants are located because it had to be done. Well, there are over 100 companies now offering data to help insurers manage risk, but it can be very hard sometimes to use this data at the point of underwriting. Some of the challenges include limitations in policy systems that make it hard, sometimes impossible, to easily integrate the data at the point of underwriting, the high cost to access that data, or just gaps in what is needed. Bob Frady and John Siegman have been tackling each of these problems directly. They set up Hazard Hub to help their customers and potential customers get the information they would need cheaply and quickly. And if the Hazard Hub team can't find a third-party supplier, well, they just go out and find it themselves, one street at a time if needed. The data sets they offer include those for the main known perils, such as flood and wildfire, location information, and important but hard to get information that will influence the risk of properties, such as proximity to fire stations and even water hydrants. To get the full picture of how a Hazard Hub fits into the need for property and risk information, download our Location Intelligence Report 2021. It's currently free, but don't hang around. From 1st of May, it's only available for members and subscribers. And the link will be in the episode notes, or you can find it on our website, www.instec.london. So let's see what Bob and John have to say. I am delighted today to have... Two founders of the fast-growing Hazard Hub, Bob Frady and John Sigmund. I was actually on the call to Ed Gaze from the Lloyd's Lab today, and uh, Ed is a great fan of yours. You know, those guys know a lot about data, he said. So uh, we're looking forward to cramming a lot into our discussion. Now, on your website, you've got this comment, an incredibly comprehensive set of property data we constantly invent all for less than you ever thought possible. So we're going to talk more about that. But I know one of the reasons you've been successful is you understand what the use cases are and price accordingly. You recently featured in our location intelligence report and your third co-founder is Brady Faust. You spent your life exploring ways to maximize the value of geospatial data and you founded Hazard Hub in 2015. So uh, Bob, we've already had you on our live chat last year. Welcome back. Thank you very much. I I think that you've done a great job of surmising our business, so I think we're done here. (laughs) I don't know what else we have left to say. (laughs) That's the editorial highlights. Uh, and John, great that you could uh, you join us. We should just warn our listeners that your LinkedIn profile has got you the great head of hair, but uh, you've kind of gone back to normality just now. At least certainly that's how it looks when we were talking just now. You can only wear the afro for so long. Good. So, Bob, let's start off with you. So you've got a lot of data out there. You've been producing a lot. We mentioned 20 of them in our report. In fact, we had to actually create some new categories in our report just to cover all the different types of data you've got. How many have you got today, different types of data you're offering to the insurance market? Well, there's there's 900 variables in our API, and it's I think we've got 35 distinct categories. John, correct me if I'm wrong on that one. It keeps changing. So, yeah, 35, 40, 45, 50. Take your pick. I look at it as two. Simply, we've got risk data, we got property characteristics, and two more with replacement cost and soon-to-be permits. And, Bob, you mentioned the API on there. Not every insurance company can use APIs. You know, some, as we all know, are still using 
spreadsheets. So for companies that are using you, what are the options they've got for getting access to your data? There are a number of different options. The API is the most common version. It's real time. They can connect right away. If people have a database of records or even a spreadsheet, they can send that to us and we can batch process it for them, which is how a lot of people get started until they build up their API capabilities. And then we're looking at uh, being able to take in um, a schedule of risks and append that automatically via an email submission from an Excel sheet. So we're trying to make data available however best serves the customer, you know, uh, but we, we stop at facts and microfiche. We won't do that anymore. We have the API and we can definitely append the file. We also have a report function called Agent Risk View. So anybody with a credit card can go out to Agent Risk View and get a very pretty report. We've got a number of carriers using Agent Risk View all day long. Well, John's line was a bit choppy there. So if you didn't quite catch what he's referring to, John is talking about their site called Agent Risk View, where you can look up information on properties and hazard. We'll put a link in the notes or just Google it to learn more. Carriers will go for an interim step using a preprinted report. Uh, it's what they're used to. We don't necessarily think it's efficient, but it is, it's efficient for them. We've built the platform to be flexible enough. So if you're the most advanced marketer or underwriter in the world, we're right there with you. And if you're not, we're still there with you. There's been modeling companies around for decades now and data companies producing information. What is it about what you're doing that is giving you the chance to find some of those gaps and start to be working with companies? What we do that's exceptionally different is we make this affordable. We listen to what our customers have to say, and then we try and figure out how to solve the problems that they have. So the traditional way of building a product where you size the market, look at what your internal costs are going to be, look at the ROI and all the rest of that, we've totally thrown that out the window because we want the value of the API to be ever increasing while the price remains ever constant. And how are you able to do that and do it more cheaply? Because there's a reason why these things have been expensive in the past. What have you discovered to enable you to get the data at a price that is affordable for the companies that couldn't afford it before? We have looked at every way possible to make machines do the job. So we don't have a lot of people. We don't spend money on things that aren't Productive. We outsourced. We looked at the business. We gutted every possible cost that we could. And then we said, okay, now that we've got the costs down as low as they can be, what we have to do is get our volumes up as high as they can be so we can maintain a low price point. A really useful insights. Bob, you were in the Lloyd's lab last year virtually. Uh, how was that experience for you and, and what specifically were the lessons that came out from that? It was a fantastic experience, even though it was virtual. The biggest surprise that we saw in Lloyd's is how much of that risk gets bound with people having no idea of what the perils are that are associated with those properties. You get portfolios of business that come through, somebody prices it, they bind it, and then they look at what the perils are. 
you know, we talk to these syndicates that are now in runoff or relegation, as we cheekily call it, I suppose. And it's like, wait a second, you know, you got wiped out because you weren't aware of the perils. And it was shocking that a market as sophisticated as Lloyd's, this happens. All of these risks should be known before you bind a policy and not after. And that's what we're trying to do is to move the data higher up into the funnel so that people can make smarter decisions before they bind rather than after. So I think the biggest surprise was the lack of this data being part of the process. And the second is we got some good business out of it. Um, we landed a couple of new customers thanks to our involvement there, and we're really excited to expand our footprint in the Lloyd's market because the Lloyd's market is the ENS market. And so that's where our data really, really, really shines. I'm hoping you can name those companies because I know they are publicly named elsewhere. But one of the things that struck me in looking at what they're doing for the use cases is they have got a more dynamic way of interacting with their own agents and MGAs. So they've either created tools or are using other tools. So they're, they're moving beyond that traditional problem that Lloyd's has where you've got this monthly bordereau and it's all passed once the thing's been written. So I'm, I'm assuming that you know, people who are working well with you are those that are able to do this more dynamically and, and see the benefit of, of working with you to do that. Yes. We think that people can be much more dynamic using our data, but it's a mentality change for people. They have to want to. And that's just something that will come over time. Yeah, over time and the sort of market drivers, as you said, and somewhat of its Darwinian you know, survival of the fittest, there is some data that it doesn't exist. You've had to go out and collect it. You know, one of my favorite stories I like to recount as to what you're doing is the fire hydrants. I don't think you've actually personally been out and photographed or counted every fire hydrant in the U.S., but I know you have some quite innovative ways to go and gather that data. Can you talk a bit about that and some of the other data sets you've gone out and created? It actually started as a joke. We were at the AAIS conference in 2017, I think, or 18, and we said, well, we want to use the AAIS uh, fire protection class methodology, and uh, one of the folks from there said, well, technically you need the hydrant locations. It's like, okay, so we'll go build them. California, Southern California especially, is really great. You know, the counties release the data, and we're able to gather that and put it into a geospatial format for the most part most places in the country aren't that good at it. So we have a combination of things. We'll petition the municipality directly. Some of them will say it is homeland security and they can't release it, to which we say, have you ever tried to wrestle with a fire hydrant? They're very well defended. So what we'll do is we'll drive the streets. And between John and I, we've probably done at least 250,000 locations ourselves where we've gone in and tracked where these hydrants are located because it had to be done. Now we have a team that does it for us, but they drive the streets and they click on where the hydrants are located. But yeah, we, we build them ourselves. You know, we're not above doing the work. We personally encoded 55,000 fire stations, you know, for positional accuracy and we examine. How many bay doors are on there so we can determine what the power of that fire station is? So now your insurance company knows where the fire hydrants are. How do they then use that in a, in a business application? Well, there's two ways. The first is that sometimes applications will require where's the nearest fire hydrant. And they ask the customer and the customer wanders around to try to find the nearest hydrant. They don't have to ask that question anymore since they now know where it is. 
But the second is that our hydrant network is an input to our fire classification model, which we call property fire score. So we take the network of, of roads, we take the network of water, we take the network of stations and the types of stations that are nearby, and we can, we can assess um, the fire risk of a property. And what we see is that the DNFs in our model are the ones where the increased fire losses are occurring. They're far away from a fire station. They don't have access to pressurized water. They um, don't have streams nearby that can infill for the pressurized water. And just released a case study yesterday that showed, you know, that in those tails is where people see the most increased amount of, of risk from fire. Just make sure I grab that acronym. Was that D and S? Property Fire Score, PFS. Oh, PFS. Okay, good. We'd, yes. like to, we'd like to spell out our acronyms on this one. You mentioned you've got property characteristics, but also perils or hazard. Wildfire and flood are getting more prevalent, or something. the losses are getting more prevalent. They're tricky things to be able to model comprehensively. So how do you go out and get information on that in a way that you can then charge it at a you know, level that's going to be uh, attractive for your clients? People think that these risks are hard to pinpoint. They're not if you have the right tools. If you have Hazard Hub, it's relatively straightforward to pinpoint where these risks are because we've done the work to put that stuff together. But a lot of the current tools that they use just are at the end of their product life cycle. We built a catastrophic flood model to take a look at the outliers because from a commercial standpoint, they carry flood typically. We look at flood in four different ways because we also look at storm surge for saltwater flooding. And then the customer decides how to best use those answers. We've been building wildfire models since the start of hazard models. And wildfire is, we know where they're going to happen. Wildfire is not just a California or Western states event. Wildfires happen everywhere. And the worst wildfire that's ever happened in the U.S. took place in Wisconsin. Our model is a 50-state model. And we look at the factors that contribute. Everybody thinks slope and aspects. But in a catastrophic wildfire event, you've got a 65-mile-per-hour wind plus blowing the fire in whatever direction that wind happens to go. Down a hill, up a hill makes no difference. And then every day we test. So if we get and information that a wildfire broke out, we run the model on that location. Did we get it right? Fortunately for us, the answer is almost always yes. On occasion, we miss it, so we go back and we figure out how you make the model better. So our models are constantly being revised. I think we are on our fourth wildfire model because it's a constant improvement to what we do. And our customers understand that if they want to keep our data forever, they can, so they can build a time series history. But all we are concerned about is what's going to happen today. Bob, just back to you, just picking up on what John said. How, how do your customers have confidence in what what you've created is right? Clearly, as John, you're saying you're kind of testing it regularly, so you are actually validating it based on real information coming out. But if you've got someone spending money with you, you're going to make quite significant business decisions. They need to have confidence that the information they're using to do that is correct. How, how do you help them with that? Well, there's two ways. The first is that uh, John and I have a saying, 
we don't want to sell you anything, but we want you to buy a lot. And the way that you do that is to take their data, append our data onto it, and let them compare their loss history to what our data tells them. And that's usually the most direct method of selling that we have. We want you to be confident in the data. And occasionally it blows up in our face where somebody builds a test that doesn't work. And that happens, and that's okay, because I'd rather or we'd rather you be really confident in what you're getting rather than just relying on somebody else's confidence. The second way is we do have actuarial studies. You know, Milliman did a study for us. We've got a couple of other studies that show here's what the data says, and that's for a separate piece of the market. There are the innovators, and then there are the followers. The innovators will take that data and test it themselves. Um, the followers will rely on the work of other people. And we're not really interested in the follower market just yet, um, but we're getting to that point, you know, the whole crossing the chasm thing. It's like that's part of what you need for that secondary piece of the market. I would much rather you test the data yourself and prove it to yourself what the value is rather than relying on the words of others. But we offer both. Yeah, no, that the technology adoption curve, and then you're talking about Jeffrey Moore's book, Crossing the Chasm, which is as true for insurance technology as it is everywhere else, and definitely recommended reading. And then, Bob, you talked about selling briefly in there, but once life returns to normal, hopefully later on this year, are you going to be out and about you know, seeing people face-to-face, either in the U.S. or hopefully even here in the U.K.? Are you kidding me? My wife was getting ready to kick me out the door. She's like, you need to get back on the road, mister. But, yeah, I I can't wait to get out and start to talk to people again for two reasons. The first is it's a great opportunity to sell, I mean, of of course, but really it's a good opportunity to learn more about what the the issues are. And the more we understand what the issues are, the more we can help derive a product that solves a need. So, yes, absolutely. Can't wait to get to London. But it'll be sometime in the fall, I, I hope. Well, if you do get there earlier, we've just got someone to support our summer party in July, and uh, we're kind of targeting 200, 400 people, so a good chance to catch up. July? Yeah. Hmm. I'll be inoculated by then. I got my first jab already, so you know, I'll be good to go. Good. Well, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll think about that one. We'll just keep, keep checking. Uh, we're certainly welcome. You're welcome to come into the U.K. from the U.S. And then – John, this question back for you. We, we touched on this earlier. We didn't actually name any names of companies. Uh, I know you're a bit discreet, but are there any companies that you can name you're working with either in the U.S. or over here in the U.K.? Well, in the U.K., from an end user standpoint, Atrium, Simon and team were on our uh, Lloyd's Lab presentation, so they sort of uh, came out on their own. We're on um, Satinwood's website. The London market is a, is a growing market for us. Yeah, you know, in the U.S., uh, all of our partners or a good portion of our partners are up on our website. We've always protected our customers because our customers, you know, what they do with our data is their secret sauce. The data is the data. Whether you are a small insurer or a big insurer, you get the same data. What you do with it and make it your own, we want to keep that private. We don't want to share that. We don't want to have you know, our customer list out there. Our partners, on the other hand, we'll talk about our partners all day long because they want us to. So, you know, our partners, Intellect Seek, Better View, K, JMI, Reports, uh, Signature, 
a ton of different other inspection companies. We love our partners. We keep it tight with our customers because they're innovating. And a lot of times they're smaller and more aggressive. We want them to have that secret sauce. We'll start to name customers, but they, but sometimes they're like, Hey man, we're cool. You're cool. Let's talk about it. So we're going to start this voice of the customer video series, which will come out, uh, next month, which will expose those customers a little bit more. But what we haven't mentioned is we're coming out with a permit data set. We announced it, um, last month. We're going to launch it at the end of this month, starting primarily in Florida, uh, and then becoming nationwide by the end of the year. And then the second is our portfolio risk estimator, where we're trying to move more into a portfolio level analysis of risk rather than just uh, a case by case. It's something that we're working on that we're really excited about. And then our non-peril water model. It's an exciting time to be part of Hazard Hub, that's for sure. You mentioned non-peril water. I'm guessing that is escape of water, is it? Yeah, it is something happened in the building and, and, the, and it flooded or there was a water claim. Of which about 50% of U.S. losses are from that escape of water, as well as the perils from external data sources. Yes. And then finally, we'd like to have you as members of Instat London. It would be great if one of you would just like to say a few words about what motivated you to come and join us. You are the voice of London InsureTech, and we wanted to be part of that voice. So you have to choose carefully who you align yourself with. We've chosen to align ourselves with the best, and that's Instat London. Couldn't have put it better myself. Uh, really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely buy your drink when you're over here. Uh, this has been great talking to the two of you. Uh, I know you've got a lot going on, a lot more hydrants to go and count and more data to build. So <laughs> there you get on with that. And look forward to seeing you face to face at some point for the first time, actually. We've never actually seen each other from the waist downwards. So that'll be Yeah. Do you, do you, can you actually stand up? I don't know. <laughs> I, every, every time I've seen you, you're seated. So I'll do um, a little dance for you. Good. Okay. <laughs> Bob, John, it's a pleasure. All right, take care. It's good to take see you. Take care. Bye now. Well, definitely worth a look at what Hazard Hub have to offer. If you are looking at insuring property and need some data, or if at your building analytics and data yourself, then I'm sure you're going to find something useful in what they have. Now, as I mentioned, we ourselves are lining up our plans for our summer party in July, uh, a chance to welcome back our members into face-to-face meetings. Very exciting. Uh, details to follow shortly could even be an excuse if you're based outside of the UK to come and see us again. And we're cracking ahead with more reports right now. Robin's wrapping up his low-code report and making good progress with embedded insurance. As always, please do keep the messages coming in. You can contact me, Matthew Grant, on LinkedIn or email any one of us, hello at instec.london. London.